pray together. God, we just thank you for this moment, for this space, for this place. We come week in and week out and draw strength. We find support. We find encouragement. God, more than anything, we just sense your presence. God, we're reminded of your goodness that has led us to you, your faithfulness that keeps us with you. God, I ask today that you would speak to people who are hurting, people who are searching, people who have questions. God, each and every one of us in your very special way. God, we ask that you would help us, that you would lead us, that you would guide us. More than anything, we say thank you. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for being dependable. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being constant. Thank you for being consistent. Thank you for being our ever-present help in times of trouble. Where would we be without the goodness of God? God, we say thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You excited to be in church today? It's great to see you. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Thanks so much. Thanks, uh, team that led us in worship. Can we give it up for everybody that led us this morning? Incredible job, guys. Thank you, thank you. And uh, I want to say thank you to my parents for all the nice things they said about me this morning. I think I'll stay. No, I'm just kidding. If you have your Bibles, uh, let's open to the book of Mark. We're going to look in Mark chapter 8 this morning. Mark chapter 8. And I'm going to read a passage of scripture uh, starting in verse 22. You may be familiar with it. You may not. Uh, but whether you are or not, uh, that's okay. We're going to just talk about some things that I really think that can be helpful to us today. Verse 22, it says this. It says, they came to Bethsaida and some people, everybody say some people. Some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Verse 23 says, he, being Jesus, took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. (laughs) This kind of gets funny. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? The text continues saying, he looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. Verse 25, once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Verse 26 says, Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. You know, stories like this for me are kind of interesting to think about because if you grow up in church or you've been surrounded by uh, parables, things that are, you know, are written in scripture, like you hear stories like that and you're like, oh, wow, like that's really cool that Jesus healed this man. But if you actually stop and think about what happened, it's a pretty crazy story. You have this man who has been blind. We know from the text that he has at some point in his life, because it says his sight was restored, that at some point in his life he had lost his sight. This is a man who used to be able to see, and this is what really gets tough for us as humans. When you experience a good life, and then life happens, and life isn't as good as it used to be, I think that's one of the most discouraging things to have to overcome as a person, as a human. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, to taste what a good life is, to taste what a fulfilled life is, to taste what it feels like to maybe get to a certain place, like I've always wanted to be here, and then to lose it and be like, what do I do now? Where do I go from here? When you think about this story and you think about the fact that this was actually something that happened, Jesus takes this man and leads him out of the village. He spits on his eyes. 
He asked the man, hey, can you see anything now that I put my spit in your eyes? I mean, think about, th think about just the context as a person, as a human. The man responds, I see men walking around like trees. And as he continues, Jesus touches his eyes again. And this time, he's healed. This last week, I was, uh, actually a couple weeks ago now, I, uh, I decided in moving this time, most of the times when I moved, because I moved a lot like around in town, but since I was moving uh, a distance, I hired a moving company. And so the moving company, the way that it works is you call them and you give a detailed list of all the different things that you're going to bring, and then they give you a quote. And the quote is to include all of the different things that you're going to bring, the things that you're going to leave and whatnot. And so they send a crew to your house, and when they show up, they have uh, the list of all the things that you said that you were going to have. And if you've ever moved, you kind of know that you're kind of like list. Uh, it's not always exactly. You sometimes have more stuff than you think that you would take, and you leave behind some things that maybe you thought that you were going to bring with you. And so when the movie company got there, um, they loaded everything up, and uh, they were super nice, and I was being kind, and... Uh, and then at the end of it, they came and said, hey, we have some things we need to talk to you about. I said, okay. So they sit down and, uh, and they go through the list and they, they give me the final price. Well, the final price was like several thousand dollars more than what they quoted. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so I was so excited about it. No, I wasn't. I was, <laughs> my human came out, if you know what I mean, you know? And uh, <laughs> I was like, what's the deal? What do you mean? This is not what we quoted. This is what we talked about. And they said, well, you know, you had a few extra things. I said, yeah, but I didn't take this, and I didn't take that, and I didn't take this. And he says, I understand where you're coming from, but, you know, just the way that things work. I said, well, that's not good enough for me. Let me talk to your boss. And so they get the boss on the phone, right? I'm already, like, way out of line, but I'm already going with it, so we might as well go with it. And the <laughs> boss gets on the, on the... If there's anything that's gotten me tr in trouble, it's my mouth in my life. So it helps me sometimes, but then other times not so much. So... <laughs> He gets on the phone, and this is like the, the owner of the business, and he's like telling me, you know, Mr. Hand, we just need you to understand that this is just the way it is. And I said, well, that may be the way that it is for you, but that's not good enough for me. And um, I said, it's just unethical. Like, what you're doing is unethical. Like, we gave you an exact list, and look at this stuff. I'm taking less stuff than I said that I was going to take, and you're charging me way more money. It's unethical. And this is what he says to me. He says, well, it's ethical to me. <laughs> so then I went below the belt and I said, did you go to school? I said, did you get a degree? Were you, were you ever educated? And I'm a, I'm a college dropout. What am I talking about? You know? <laughs> I'm like, dude, do you have a degree? I said, because you don't get to make up what ethics are. Like there's a standard for ethics in this world. And so here's the, here's the funny story is my, all of my stuff was supposed to be there. Like it was going to be there within like two days. It's still not there. And they tell me they have 22 days to get my stuff out to where I'm moving. So the moral of the story is bite your tongue. It's not always worth to say. But you know what I wish in life? The reason I tell the story is I was thinking about this. I wish that there was like when we showed up as humans, there was like this manual that like just told us all the things that we need to do to kind of make sense of all the things that we will ever go through in our life. And I understand we have this guide of scripture, but if we're all honest, I think we all kind of have these questions in our mind like, what does this all mean? Did anybody crack the code of life this week? Like, is there anybody in here that figured out like what the overall meaning is and can contextualize it and put it into words for me? Like, does anybody know what the, what the destiny, does any, let me ask you this question, where are you heading? Where are you, where are you on your way to? Do you know the answer to that question? Most of us would probably struggle to try to put it into words. Where are you heading? Um, to my future? 
well, where is your future? Well, how, how are you going to get there? I'm going to follow my, my dreams. Well what, well, what are your dreams? You know, that's a good question. I, I, I kind of like this and I kind of like that. We, we struggle with these things of, of where am I really going? And then if I, I mean, we could get really simple with it. Does anybody actually even know where you're at in life? Like, okay, I'll stop. I promise. Like, I'm not trying to make you have an existential crisis here. But if you think about these things, like, these are the things that I think that I think about a lot because all of us as humans, we're on this planet and we're no doubt searching. That's one thing that if you kind of just took a step back and observed the, 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 the landscape of life and humanity and existence, all of humanity is searching. This is why you're here this morning. You're searching for something. You're looking for meaning. You're looking for purpose. You want your life to count for something. You want to know that when you breathe your last breath, it mattered. So we search, but we don't exactly know where we're going. And I think because of that, we're, we're, we live in a, in, a, in a culture that craves signs. Can I, can I get a, has anybody just ever been desperate for a sign? I mean, can we just be honest? Have you ever been desperate? God, can I just get a sign? What am I talking about? Is, is there some sort of indicator that you can give me that would tell me that I'm where I'm supposed to be? Is there some sort of sign, some sort of indicator that can tell me that I'm on the right track, that, that maybe I'm, I'm not off course, that maybe the mistakes and the failures and the, and the things that I've gone through in my life that maybe where I feel like I haven't measured up, is there something that you could show me that would tell me, that would make me feel like it's all okay, that I can actually keep moving, keep progressing, and so we search for signs. You'll see this on social media. If you're looking for a sign, this is your sign, right? We search for signs and we crave signs. And, and, and the, the funny thing about scripture, if you read the Bible, like God is big on signs. God wants you to be sick. He wants you to know that where you're at is perfectly okay. And where you're at, whether, you're, whether it be something good that you're facing, whether it be something bad that you're facing, he's with you where you're at. God is big on signs. But if you're anything like me, sometimes it's hard to see the signs. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's difficult to, to, to be able to grasp and to contextualize and to really know like, Am I at where I'm supposed to be? I think the challenge is when we don't see the signs, we get stuck. You've probably experienced this. What is stuck? Stuck looks like, stuck looks like I'm, I'm no longer really living. I'm kind of just existing. I'm kind of just going through the motions. I don't really feel like I have some meaningful purpose. You live your life oftentimes looking in the rearview mirror, thinking about the days that, that have gone past and the things that you have gone through, and you think about, man, what happened? How did I go from there to here? This is what I'm talking about, this, this story with this man. How, how, did I, how did I lose my sight? How did my life go from being somewhat put together where people knew me and I was influential and it seemed like I was stacking my chips and it seemed like I was going somewhere? How did I get from, am I the only one who's ever been here? How did I get from there to finding myself here. When you can't see the signs, you feel stuck. Yeah. The text says that this man isn't even searching for Jesus himself. He has people that have brought him to Jesus to be healed. And thank God for people in our lives who will fight for us when we won't yeah. fight for ourselves. Yeah. I'm so thankful for my parents who, 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 who have prayed for me. Not, not talked to me or, or corrected me, and they've done all of those things, but I'm talking about behind the scenes, like, I care about you so much, you're not gonna know it, but I'm gonna be praying for you. What if we had a culture in the church where we didn't just say, I'll be praying for you, but we literally, like, 
literally like made it a thing when we cared about those in our community to, to, to pray for them. They bring this man to Jesus. Jesus, will you heal this man? And it's so funny because the first thing that Jesus does, I'm thinking, okay, miracle worker, here's your opportunity. Like you're going to heal this man. And, and instead, the first thing that he does, the text says he takes him by the hand and leads him out of the village. Well, this is interesting to me. And I, and I want you to write this down because I think oftentimes in life, one of the reasons we can't see the signs that really give us the courage, the drive, the intensity, the desire to keep searching, because I've found in life that life is more about the search than it is the finding. It's more about the quest to ask questions and God, are you here? God, I mean, if you look in the Bible, this is what God is, is obsessed with. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Look, look, search, seek. He talks about the kingdom of God being like a coin that is lost in a room and the person tears across the room looking, searching. It's easy in life when we go through things to stop the searching, to get stuck. I think one of the things that keeps us stuck, that keeps us missing the signs, is this idea of our surroundings. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. One of the things that causes me to miss out on the signs that keep me searching are my surroundings. I mean, and what's interesting to me about this is these are like good people. These are people who fought for him, but there's going to come time in your life where you don't just need people who are going to tell you that you're going to make it and tell you that one day God will, one day God will, one day God will. Eventually, you're going to have to turn the page. You're going to have to have people in your life that say God's going to do it today. You're not just going to have to have people that encourage you to keep fighting, but sometimes the chapter is going to turn and people who were with you for a season, not everybody who goes with you can grow with you. I mean, that, that preach is really good, but I want you to contextualize that and think about that as it pertains to your life. There's well-meaning people who love you, who are for you, and at the same time, those people can be holding you back. They can keep you from actually seeing. My surroundings can actually be a thing that keep me from seeing what God is doing, seeing the goodness of God in my family. Never stop searching for the good. Never stop looking for the good as a result of the people that I'm surrounded. In your life, what... What, what surroundings could be keeping you from seeing the signs? What well, and this is so like practical and it feels like, man, you hear it all the time anywhere with anybody who's talking inspirational stuff, but I'm talking about friends, I'm talking about family members, I'm talking about that group chat that gets under your skin and you know you shouldn't be in it because every time you see it, you get emotionally charged. I'm talking about social media accounts that you, what, what surroundings Things around you could actually keep you from seeing the signs. Why? Because if I don't see the signs, I'm going to get stuck. I think what keeps us more um, limited than where we live is actually where we live in our head. Let's not just talk about external surroundings. Where do you live in your head? Do you live in a city called insecurity? Do you live in a land called fear and torment? Do you live in Daddy Issueville? Where everything in your life is because, well, I didn't have good parents and I wasn't breastfed as a kid. And all these, you know, kind of, <laughs> all the weird stuff people say, you know. Where, where do you live in your head? No, I'm serious. Like, I'm talking slow this morning because I want us to think about these things. I don't want to just preach a good message. I, I, want, us, I want us to think, where am I dwelling in my head? Because I'm only vulnerable to things that I'm exposed to. 
Like, you guys don't live in Oklahoma, so when people talk about tornadoes, I'm not worried about tornadoes because I don't live there. It is, it is kind of deep because you, th you think about this in your, in, in your life. If you weren't living in a place called fear, I wouldn't be vulnerable to a place called fear. If I wasn't living in the land of I'm too old, I wouldn't be vulnerable to ideologies that tell me I'm too old to accomplish things that God has. Where, where are you living in your head? Because sometimes you'll start thinking, God, where are you at? What are you doing? How come you're not moving? Could I get a sign? And the signs are right there before you, but it's a result of the place that you're dwelling. Sometimes God has to take you by, a hand, by the hand and say, it's time for you to step out of that village. It's time to step out of that place of, of thinking. It's time to step out of that city. And it may have benefited you for a season, but there are times, see, God gives people assignments. Your life is not just to exist and get a good job and have a career and climb the ladder and become something great in the eyes of men. You have assignments. I think about this place. You know what gets me emotional coming into this place? Is seeing the faces of people who have poured into my life and seeing the faces of people that I know that I have poured into their life. Sometimes it's easy when life gets messy to to start just getting down and being negative and just being obsessed with your surroundings that you actually miss out on the signs. I was driving with my mom the other day and we were, we were taking my kids down to the boardwalk in Santa Cruz and I had my GPS on and it's ringing at me and singing at me and telling me all of the things that I need to do, giving me all of these signs. But I'm distracted by our conversation, I'm distracted by the kids screaming in the background, I'm distracted by the other, other drivers. A lot of times the things that I'm surrounded with can keep me from seeing the goodness of God. When I don't see it, why is this important? Because when I don't see the signs, I find myself stuck. I don't want you to be stuck. Jesus takes this man and he leads him out of the village. <laughs> and I can only imagine this man, what he would be thinking to himself, like, okay, wow, here's, maybe life is going to get better. Like maybe things are going to change. Maybe we are getting a little momentum. Maybe things are going to begin to start working out. Maybe God is going to, I can imagine this man being there and then, what's that smell? What, what's going, what is, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right. This is not the way that, I, God, this is not, this doesn't sound like God to me. <laughs> this certainly doesn't feel like God to me. Why would God work like this? I think sometimes we can't see the signs because of our surroundings. Other times I, can't, I think we can't see the signs because of the systems. The way that we think it should work, and this is my favorite topic to preach on. We as humans have an idea of how life should work. We as humans have an idea of how, this is the funny part, we think we know how God should work. We think because we've read all of his miracle stories and we, because we've read all of his parables and we've read about how the way that he did it, that that's the way that he's going to do it again. And yet we believe in God who sent his only son to earth that healed people by putting his saliva on their eyeballs? Like, is he just being gross? No, I don't think so. I think he's trying to get us out of a realm of thinking that says if God's going to do it, he's going to do it like this. I don't think, I honestly think it's probably the greatest thing that causes us to miss out on what God is doing, that keep us from seeing the signs is the fact that God, if, if it was God, God wouldn't do it like that. God wouldn't be re reaching out to those people. God wouldn't allow us to walk through a valley to get us to a mountaintop. That doesn't sound like God to me. And I'm here to tell you today that there is no 
Please hear this. There is no good life outside of a life of surrender. There, what, am, what am I talking about? There is no good life. There, there is, there's, there's no code. There's no script. There's no, you're going to do this and you're going to do this and then everything's going to, that's not the way that, that, th- that things work. God is not a gumball machine that we put a quarter in and he pops out a gumball. That's not, what, that's not how, how, how he works. He wants to work in tandem with humanity that, God, I am following you wherever you go. And if you're going to put it in a fish's mouth and get it to me, then you're going to put it in a fish's mouth to get it to me. I'm not going to be worried about how it comes. I'm not going to be worried about how the miracle comes. I'm going to believe that you did not bring me this far to leave me. You didn't teach me to swim to let me drown. You didn't build your home in me to move away. And you did not lift me up to let me down. I'm talking about in life, there are going to be things that you see. And if you're not careful, you'll count it <laughs> what in what in your life have you counted as as maybe the devil or satan that could actually be saliva could actually be god doing something behind the scenes and trying to get something to you but you're missing because you're missing out on your miracle because it doesn't look the way that you think it should look this is what I talk about when I talk about surrender. When church doesn't look, I mean, what, what could God, never underestimate the power of the local church. Like I, 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 my education, the things that I've learned, my skill set, everything that I have, everything that I am as a person has been developed through this place. Literally. Literally. I don't have some big impressive degree. I don't have, I don't have tons of accolades that make me seem important. Everything that is happened in my life that has been good has happened as a result of being a part of this community that is centered around a cause. Now, how does that make sense? That doesn't fit the system. I think sometimes we could be so, we we live in a prescription obsessed obsessed society. What what can I, what pill can I take? What program can I buy? You, you can do a cold plunge, you can do a warm plunge, you can sit in the sauna, you can do keto, you can do whatever you want to do. Can I tell you that a system does not have the ability to save you? In life, systems are awesome. Systems help us be more efficient. But systems without surrender are just security blankets. Systems... Meaning, I'm going to do this, and God has to do this. If I do this, then my life will... If I get up at 5 a.m. every morning, because all the rich people get up at 5 a.m. in the morning, then one day I'm going to be rich. Systems without surrender are just security blankets. What am I talking about? They make you feel safe. That's cool. But don't get it twisted. That's not what produces in your life. What, what am I talking... I always coined it like this. Surrender is letting go of my idea of how I think things should look. Letting go of my idea of how I think things should look. So when I come into the presence of God, when I lift my hands in worship, when I say, God, I need you, I'm not just articulating words, expressing myself to get God to do what I want, thinking that if I worship him enough, somehow he will meet my needs. Instead, what I'm actually communicating is, God, I'm letting go of my idea of how I think my life should look, and I'm going to trust you that however you want to get me there, you're going to get me there. You will be faithful. You will be faithful. You have been faithful. And I trust regardless of what I see. Regardless if it gets messy, I'm, I'm amused by the people that quit the church when ministers fall or people stab them. And the, the church is a messy place because we're a family. 
The Bible says that God takes the lonely and he puts them in families. That's what the church community is is supposed to be. We have to have grace for each other. We have to have empathy for each other. When one another falls, we got to lift each other up. We don't kick them when they're down and say, well, I guess this is the funny one. This is the funny one. I guess they weren't the real deal. Are you? What does that even mean? No, what does that even mean? They stood up there and preached these great messages, but look what happened in their life. I guess they weren't the real deal. Seriously? Seriously? We're all just trying to live a surrendered life. Systems are great, but systems without surrender are just a security blanket. And I think the danger is when you settle for, and I get why we like systems, because we don't like work. <laughs> Did that hurt? I mean, did I like that one? I mean, it's the truth. We don't, we don't like, I want to execute the least amount of effort, don't we? And I don't, I don't think that that's bad, but I think we have to execute effort in the right ways. The, the hardest thing you'll ever do is surrender to God. The hardest thing I will ever do as a human is let go of what my brain tells me. Things have to look like this in order for, the, for them to work. No, no, it's actually not true. I mean, how, I mean, we talk about things that you get up here and talk about giving, you know, and it's like, Giving is an act of surrender. How does it make sense that I'm going to give of something that I have and trust that more will come back to me? Because I trust in a principle that is greater than my intellect. And when I trust in a principle that's greater than my intellect, I'm, I, I'm able to become a beneficiary of that principle. Surrender. When we, set, when we settle for, I think this is the thing about systems, when we settle for systems without surrender, we lose our secret sauce. Anyone know what a secret sauce is? You ever had that one meal that maybe your grandma makes or your mom makes or that one favorite restaurant and nobody can make, there's that thing that they have. You know, in your life you have a secret sauce? You do. In fact, old school, when I was growing up, this is what we would call it, it's your anointing. God has given everything, and I, I really want you to hear, God has given, I don't care if you stand on a platform or not, I don't care if you feel qualified or not. I don't care if you've made mistakes. I don't care if you've fallen flat on your face. I don't care if you've committed the most treacherous sins. God has placed an anointing on your life. The Bible says that the, and this is what the anointing does. <laughs> the anointing destroys yokes and it removes burdens. This is, why we, this is why we need the family of the body of Christ. God has, this is when, when people say, you ever heard, I think I've even talked about it, where you have, you have an it factor. You have something that you can do that nobody else can do. You occupy a space on this earth that no, what I'm saying is, what I'm really saying is you have an anointing that no one else has. Why does that matter? You have an ability to destroy yokes and remove burdens in a way that nobody else does. Let's make that modern technology. What was a yoke? A yoke was a, a contraption that, put two, uh, two pieces or, or animals of livestock so that they could pull something. It's representative of, of toil. It's representative of, it's a representation of, of struggle. It's a representation of, of, um, uh, of, of works and in, in, in the hard things in life. What I'm saying is there's things that God has given you to do that when you do them, you're actually breaking the struggle off of people. You're breaking the, to- you're breaking the striving off of people. And when you don't operate in your anointing, people miss out. When I, when I settle for, I can, I, I can come up here as a communicator and I've done it. I've done it. I may get up here and not be real polished, but I really don't care because I've tried it the other way. 
I tried it where I try to get behind my notes and go line upon line. And there's, there's people that operate like that. But I could so system my way out of my anointing. And, 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 and that's what some of you in this place, even regardless of what I'm saying through my communication, because that's a gift that God has given me. I don't know why. I haven't earned it. I haven't done anything for it. But through my communication, what happens is you start feeling a little bit brighter, feeling a little bit lighter. And all of a sudden, well, that makes sense. You start connecting God. Some of you have this ability to nurture. You have, the, you have an anointing. I did not plan on talking about this. You have an anointing to nurture. You have something that you can do that nobody else can do. Do not system your way out of your anointing. Hear me. Do not system. What am I talking? What is a system? System is a man-made box to be more efficient. Don't allow people to put you in a box and sacrifice your secret sauce. I think, I, I think that this is what you've been getting at when you come in here every week and you kind of just, you kind of drop these thoughts and ideas that, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not just a church. We're not showing up just to put in our hour. We're not clocking in. What, what, what does he communicate? We have, to, we have to steward the anointing, the secret sauce that God has given us. Why? Because there are people like me and there are broken people like you and you have friends and you have family members and you have coworkers that are far from God, broken, searching, hurting, longing for something greater than what they're experiencing and they are counting on the anointing that will come out of this house, that will come out of this place, that will come out of a community of believers that are committed to a cause, to change a valley, to dr- bring mothers and fathers back to their children, to bring their children back to their mothers and fathers, to cause generations to work together and people to become everything that God has put them on the face of the planet to be. Don't sacrifice your anointing for a system to be more efficient, to be more practical, to be more organized business leader. Do not sacrifice your it factor because you want to be smarter. You want to appear like I'm educated and I got this when God has given you something greater than than just brain smarts. He's given you that thing deep on the inside of your belly that when I walk into a room, it's not just me walking into, into the room. It's God walking into the room with me. And I may not have the book smarts and I may not have the intellect and I may not have the ability and I may not be able to dot all of my I's and cross all of my T's, but I got an anointing on the inside of me. I have a secret sauce on the inside of me that when I do, it destroys yokes and it removes burdens. You have an anointing. You have an anointing. I believe some of you, you've been striving. You've been striving, trying to figure out how do I make this work on paper? Get rid of the paper. Rely on your anointing. How how did you used to do it? How did you used to do it before God blessed you and you got smart and you had to start creating systems to sustain the thing that you were building? Get back to your secret sauce. Get back to the thing that makes you you. Oftentimes, this is the thing that you're embarrassed of because it just comes a little too easy for you. You don't see it as significant. You don't see it as meaningful. You don't see it as something that's world-changing, but I'm telling you that it is. Sometimes we miss the signs because of our surroundings. Sometimes we miss the signs because of the systems. The systems, the systems. The way we think he's going to do it, but he does it a little bit differently. He puts saliva in the man's eyes, and and then he says, do you see anything? And the guy responds, and he says, I I see people, but they look like trees. This is where I expect Jesus to go, oops. (laughs) Trees? 
man, I got to use a different method. This saliva thing is kind of weakening on me. It's not really working like it used to. Like, this is what I expect. What happened? Did, did God make a mistake? You ever felt like that? God, you're missing it here. God, do you see me? Do you see what we're dealing with? Do you see what my family's going through? Do you see the tears that I cry? Do you see my broken heart? Do you, do you see me? Did God make a mistake? No. Sometimes I can't see the signs because of my surroundings. Sometimes I can't see the signs because of the systems. Sometimes I can't see the signs because of how I see what I see. Sometimes I can't see the signs, God's goodness, the miracles, what God is actually doing, because of how I see what I see. You know, one of the things that I've learned about God is that God cares more about how I see than what I see. Why? Because God can change what I see in an instant. But I decide how I see. God can heal your body. God can give you money. God can give you a new job. But how do you see your money? How do you see your job? I can, I, I can look at my bank account, and I can see that my bank account may not have as much money as I want in it. But if I know where my provision comes from, how I see matters a whole lot more than what I see. Uncle, you can come back to the piano. So he asked this man, do you see anything? I see people, but they look like trees. What are you doing, God? I think sometimes God will see, let you see people that look like trees. So that when you see people, you'll still see them through the trees. Let me say it again. I think sometimes in life, the miracle worker will let you see people that look like trees so that when you actually see people, you'll see them through the trees. He who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. If you go throughout the litany of scripture, you find out that tree is a representation of the place that Jesus would be crucified for all of humanity so that we could rise above circumstance, rise above our problematic behaviors, our problematic issues. And I think that sometimes God will allow you to go through situations and things to work on how you see so that you never stop seeing through the trees. What in your life do you see that seems like a mistake, but if you see it through the tree, it looks a whole lot different? What in your financial world do you see that you're, are you looking through the trees? Are you looking through the trees when it comes, what does your marriage look like when you see it through the lens of the redemptive plan of Christ? I think sometimes in life we become so obsessed with trying to be in the position of Christ, trying to adhere to the prescriptions of Christ. What did he say? How did he do it? That we miss out on the person of Christ. 
Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. It's, it's still that simple. Yeah, every promise that you have, it's not about the promise. It's about the promise keeper. It's about the one who made the promise. Are you seeing through the trees? How do you see your future? I'm getting old and it doesn't look like, like, like things are going to happen. And I don't think by now, I don't think I'll be able to accomplish all of my dreams. Are you looking through the trees? What are you seeing? How are you seeing? How do you see the things that you see? I used to believe for my family and one day God was going to turn it around. But you know, the, it's kind of getting late for that. And I've kind of learned just to adapt and we get along just fine. So I think it's going to be okay. But what if you looked at it through the tree? What if you saw, <laughs> what could your church look like if you saw it through the trees? What could your kids look like? What could your vocational look like? What could your vocational, what could your, what could your, what could your dreams look like? If you saw them through the lens of the empowerment that you have, not because you are good, but because God is good. I've searched high and I've searched low. I've gone through the books and I've done more Google searches than you could ever imagine. And still at the end of the day, the only thing that makes a little bit of sense to me is God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him, they would not perish, but they would have everlasting life. I have come that you may have life in abundance to the full till it overflows a better life than you ever dreamed, a life through the trees. I want to dare you to see through the trees. What in your life could look different if you put it through the tree? What if you deemed as God missing the mark that could really be your miracle in disguise if you looked at it through the tree? He, he, gave, he put money in fish's mouth. Like, that seems normal to you? No, but when you get the tree involved, normal isn't normal anymore. Normal gets a new definition. I love this story, and I, I want to read, read it one more time as we kind of wrap up our time together because I think it refocuses what this whole thing is about. <laughs> Verse 26, it says, oh, let's go back. Verse 25, he put his hands in the man's eyes. His eyes were open, and his sight was restored. And now he could see, he could see, he could see clearly, he saw everything clearly. And then Jesus says this, well, this, the text says this, Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Seems like an oxymoron to me. Okay, go home, but don't go into the village. What? So go back home, but don't go to the village. See, when I read this story, the part that I obsess on for the sign, like I obsess over the provision, my eyesight. But I think what God obsesses over is the permission. Permission to what? The permission to be who God has put you on the face of the planet to be. In other words, I'm going to send you back, but don't go back the way that you were when you came. Yeah, your, your calling hasn't changed. I'm sending you back to be an influence in this city and this valley. But when you go back, don't go back. I'm sending you back into your marriage, back into your workplace, back into an environment 
that maybe you've been before, but this time when you go back, don't go back. See, I obsess over the provision. God obsesses over the permission because if you could ever be who God has called you to be, there would always be provision. If I could ever embrace permission to what? To stop apologizing for who you are. You, am I the only one who's, who's my, I'm my own worst enemy. Like, don't we all just kind of want to be okay just being us? This is the message of Christianity, folks. He, he's freed you. He, he who, do you remember what the scripture says? He who the son sets free is free. So, so what is that? That's permission. And if you would ever focus on the permission, you would always have the provision. What application does that have in your life? I don't know. What area are you not being you? What area are you playing a role? What area are, 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 are you, are you like the Wizard of Oz hiding behind the curtain, but you're just a wee little man? If you could ever just step out behind the curtain, here I am. Everything that you would ever desire, everything you thought you'd ever needed would show up because it already has your name on it. Why? Because you have an assignment and God has given you an anointing. But the assignment can't find you and the anointing can't find you if you're not authentically you. I think really, this is, this is the, the thing, this is honestly probably the thing I really wanted to say today and I did all that, but within the concept of this whole sign, can I get a sign? This is what God has been showing me. The sign is in the seed. Let me explain it. The sign is in the seed. So if I took a seed and I put the seed on this table and I just took a random seed, put it on my Bible right here, and I said, all right, what's, what's in this seed? Who would be able to, nobody would be able to tell me. Why? Because the sign is in the seed. So, so what, what do I have to do with the seed? I, I have to plant it. I have to, I have to put it in I have to put it in the right environment, surrounding. I have to get it, get it in, in moisture. I have to get the right system in place to make sure that it grows. I have to give it sunlight, see it through the trees, not just the sun, but the sun. See, your, your life is a seed. What I'm telling you is you have no idea what God has placed in you. Don't settle because you're comfortable in the environment that you are. Don't settle because you're comfortable in the system that you have been exposed to. Don't settle for your idea of how you think things should look and how you think things should play out. The sign is in the seed. Some of you have been looking for a sign, and I'm here to tell you as a messenger of God that the sign is in your step. When you step out and you do the thing that you feel like God has given you to do. The Bible says, this is what it says about sign. He confirms his word with signs following. He confirms his word. The thing that he has sent you to, every word sent down from heaven does not go back up until it succeeded in the thing that he sent it to do. What has been your word? What is your word? Your life is a seed. Be planted. Expose yourself to new environments. 
Did you hear me? Expose yourself to new environments, new places, new systems, new ways of doing things. When you see things, see them through the redemptive plan of Christ. That is your anointing. That is your power. That is your ability to rise above. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added unto you. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Sometimes all you got to do is ask. Other times all you got to do is look. And then there's sometimes you got to knock. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but just because the door doesn't open the first time you knock doesn't mean that it's not your door. That word, actually, the, the, the word knock actually means to strike. Not strive, strike. Meaning what? When I know who I am and I know the anointing that I possess, I know the secret sauce that I have, not because I deserved it, but because for whatever reason, he thought that I should be here and he thought that I should have this because he wanted me to use it one day. I've bought into this lie something sometimes that, you know, if it's meant to be, it'll be. I think I've missed out on a lot of things because of that mentality. He said, ask and keep on asking. He said, seek, search, and keep on searching. He said, knock. And then if the door doesn't open, turn around and head back home. That's not what he said. Knock and keep on knocking. Knock and keep on knocking. Knock and keep on knocking. Because what God has placed in you is greater than anything that could ever come against you. I know this from experience. Before I step onto this platform today, I went to the bathroom back there and I said, God, I, I don't feel qualified. I don't see what I do is certainly important. I don't think it's that dignified or super special. But for whatever reason, I'm here today. Would you use my life to help somebody? I think that's the prayer each of us should pray every day that we live. Some of us hold microphones and stand on platforms. Some of us lead businesses. Some of us, some of us do a lot of different things. What do you do? I think our prayer should be, God, I, I'm here. I surrender again. I've let go a lot in my life. But today, I let go again. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I don't care where. I don't care how. I don't care if it's embarrassing. I don't care if I have to leave my ego at the door. I don't care. Because I don't need people. God, I, I need you. I need the one who put me here to make me, help me make sense of what I'm seeing here. I need you. And I believe when we position ourselves, we're able to see the signs. You are a sign. That's the thing about signs, right? You can kind of only see them when you look back. It's like we want to pay attention, but I think that's a sign, I think that's a sign, I think that's a sign. But really you don't know until you look back and you see this man's story. Look what God put people into your life for a season. 
They were just there for a season and that was okay. Didn't mean that things had to go sour when they left. He was faithful to lead you by the hand when you couldn't see yourself. He taught you things. He showed you that everything's not gonna look the way you always want it to look, but it's gonna be okay and he can be trusted. He had you go through seasons that were messy and didn't feel right and didn't smell right. And God, I certainly don't wanna be here, but you didn't quit. You kept moving. You kept putting one foot in front of the other. And God began to show you not just what he could do, but who you are and what he wanted to do in your life to change the world around you. I believe that your best days are ahead. I believe that Celebration Church's best days are ahead. I believe in a world, I believe in a world where it's more overwhelming than not most days. That as the local church, as the people of God, as people who have faith in someone who is great, I think that it is our time to shine like never before. And I, I hope you hear me. I'm not talking about the people that you think are important. I'm talking about every single person in this room. Every single person in this room. Every single person in this room. I believe that you will become everything that God has called you to be. If, if, you will plant yourself as a seed. Take a look at your surroundings. Don't be seduced by systems that promise prosperity and deliver complacency. See through the trees. Remember, remember it's not based upon how good you are, but based upon how good he has been. The trees. Embrace the permission to be who you are, not who I am, not who your pastor is, not who your business competition is, who you are, and flourish. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. Would you pray with me today? God, we thank you for this time that we have spent together, centered around the Bible, your word, that is our guide, that is our source. God, I really ask that today that the words that have been spoken, that you would illuminate the things that need to be illuminated for each individual based upon where they're at in their journey. God, that you, the teacher, not a teacher, but the teacher, you would show us the way. You would cement in our hearts, God, the things that we need. God, I pray that people would see just how for, just how for them you are. God, I ask that they wouldn't know it in their heads, but they would feel it in their chest. That wherever they go, that you go with them. You're not looking for them to jump through your hoops, to be proud of them. You're not looking for them to dot their I's and to cross their T's and get their act together. You're obsessed with them. You put them here with an anointing, with a purpose, with something to do, with an assignment. And God, I pray that they will accomplish their assignment. God, I pray for this church. I pray for this house. I pray for Celebration Church, that it will accomplish its assignment. God, I declare over this house that every plan of the enemy would be aborted. 
that every plan of darkness, every plan of Satan, and I just declare that the word of God will rule and reign and prevail, that every word that has been sent down from heaven, that it does not go back up until it succeeded in what you sent it to do. I declare that the word of God will live and prevail. I thank you that every hindrance falls aside. Every plan of darkness falls aside. I just declare that there's a raising up of sons and daughters, a raising up of sons and daughters, that God, that you're going to have young men dream dreams, that there's going to be men that see visions, that people, people that you have placed in this house on a purpose, that they would begin to identify their purpose and stop looking to a pastor to, to become the, the, the be all end all, but they would understand their position in this house and what it is that you have called, called them to. I'm speaking to business leaders. I declare for some of you business leaders. It's time for you to step into the place that God has put you. God has put you in this house for a reason. He didn't put you in this house to show up and to pay your tithes on Sunday morning. He has given you strategies and systems that fit the actual calling of this house, that fit, that fit the secret sauce of this house. And I just declare over your life that you would have the courage to rise up and be the person that God has called you to be, to be aggressive, to not wait for it to come to you, but that you would go to it. Some of you need to hear that today. Stop waiting for it to come to you, but it's time for you to dust the dust off of your boots and start knocking on some doors. It's time to start making some phone calls. It's time to start getting into circles that you used to be in when you knew that God was for you and God was on your side. I speak to business leaders. I speak to moms in this place. I speak I speak to moms in this place that have a spiritual gift to nurture, to be able to come alongside other moms, young moms, single moms, single dads, people who are parenting. God has given you a gift and ability to do what only you can do. God did not intend people to swim alone, but he has given people people, coaches, teachers, preachers, people to edify, to build up. And I declare in this house that there is a family rising up. There is a family rising up stronger than it's ever been. Where there are deficiencies, they will be supplemented. Where there are strengths, other people will rise to the occasion. I declare, I declare, I declare the favor of God in a way that has not been seen. What eye has not seen, ear has not heard. What eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It's not conventional. It's not conventional. I believe what God wants to do in your life, it's not conventional. It's not conventional. It's not conventional. It's not conventional. It's not in a, it's not in a book. It's not in a book. It's not in a book. It's not in a program. It's not in a course. What God wants to do in your life, what God wants to do in this church, is something that is bigger than that. So God, would you show us the way? Would you illuminate the path? Would you illuminate the path? you illuminate the path? Would you stand to your feet all across this room? I'm going to ask the band to lead us in a song. I'm just going to ask God to speak to our hearts. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I, I, and I'm not a weirdo. I mean, sometimes I am, but I'm really not for the most part. But I really believe that there are people in this house that, that you have, you have talents, you have skills, you have abilities, you have resources, and, and you've been here and you've been blessed by this place. But I, <laughs> I, I really believe that that, that God is saying to you, batter up. It's your turn to step up to the plate. What does that mean? If it's for you, you'll know what it means. That there's something that God has given you. There's an education that God has given you. There's resources that God has given you. And this church needs them. This place needs them. There's, like I said, there are families, not just like the pastoral staff. There are families that need what you have. Be willing to have those conversations. Be willing to step out. God, we ask that you would show us the way. Lead us, guide us, protect yes, us. Yes, yes, yes. Minister to us. Right now, where are you? Just close your eyes. If you're comfortable raising your hands. Whatever you got to do, just right before we go, surrender. Just, just God, God, whatever you have for me, would you give it to me? All I need is you. Thanks for listening. 
If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.